Morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Stefan. I'm glad you're with us this morning. That rim shot was for me. Thank you. I wish that had been funnier. I wish I had said something hilarious. Uh, would you please uh, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? It's on page 1,636 in the Bibles provided for you here. Uh, today is the second Sunday in the season of Epiphany. And Epiphany is a season of light, and it's a season of understanding, and it's a season of manifestation. Uh, on our podcast this past week, Sam gave a fantastic example, kind of an illustration of what Epiphany is. And he says, like, the cartoon version of Epiphany is when a cartoon character is standing there, and then a light bulb comes on above their head, and they go, aha! That's epiphany. Epiphany is when the truth presents itself. It's when there's a new understanding. It's when there's a new manifestation of reality. So our lectionary reading this morning um, is in the spirit of that. And it comes from, a fair, it's a fairly famous text, a fairly, fairly well-known text in 1 Corinthians, which has to do with spiritual gifts. So maybe you're wondering, what does this text about spiritual gifts have to do with epiphany? Well, there is one word in this text that is a major epiphany word. See if you can pick it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Listen to God's word. Now about the gifts of the Spirit... Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. And to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of those tongues. All of these are the works of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. Did you catch the epiphany word? It's in verse 7. Manifestation. There it is. This is is the core, okay? The core of the text. Now to each one, to each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I think that is an incredibly profound statement for the Church of Jesus Christ. 
So just let's really soak these in for a second, okay? This is the central idea of the text. This is the central idea of what we're talking about this morning. Now, to each one, to each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Isn't that interesting? So if we really want to understand what's happening in this passage, we have to know more about when it was written and why it was written and what was going on when it was written. Because 1 Corinthians, just like every other book of the Bible, is not a book that was originally written to just be inserted into the Bible. It became a part of the Bible, but before that, it was just a letter. It was a letter from one person to a group of people about specific things, specific people, and specific things going on. It was very personal, and it was very intentional, and it was meant to address specific things happening between two parties. So take a look at the first verse there in chapter 12. It says, uh, Paul says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are other translations that say, About the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant. It's kind of between the lines there a little bit, but there's, there's something of an accusation there. There's something of an insult happening there. Paul, who wrote the author, Paul, uh, the, the book, Paul is suggesting to the Corinthians that they might be ignorant when it comes to the spiritual gifts, which would have made the Corinthians very upset since it's clear that they considered themselves to be geniuses when it came to the spiritual gifts. They considered themselves to be exceptionally proficient and exceptionally talented when it came to the spiritual gifts. And yet, Paul is suggesting that they might be ignorant when it comes to the spiritual gifts. Which is like saying to Steven Spielberg, Steven, I don't want you to be ignorant when it comes to directing films. It's like saying to Aretha Franklin, Aretha, Franklin, Aretha I don't want you to be ignorant when it comes to singing songs. Like saying to Henry Ford, I don't want you to be ignorant when it comes to making automobiles. Excuse me? The Corinthians considered themselves to be exceptional when it came to the spiritual gifts. It was kind of their thing. Like, it was their thing. It was what they were known for. Like, there, there were other things about them that you probably could have criticized really fairly. But the spiritual gifts, they all agreed, that's the thing we've got going on. And then, the, so the reason that the Corinthians considered themselves to be so exceptional in the spiritual gifts is because they were known far and wide for having the gift of speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is not a very common thing in our tradition, in this church's tradition. I have never spoken in tongues before. I know a number of people who have. I know a number of people who are members of this church who have. Um, I've, I've been around it a few times in my life, but I am by no means an expert. Let that be a headline. Uh, if you don't know, speaking in tongues is a gift of the Spirit. It's a spiritual gift where the Spirit comes to someone, usually in worship or usually in prayer, and this person will, will become overwhelmed by the Spirit. 
overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, and he or she will start speaking in a heavenly language, speaking in a heavenly tongue that he or she never learned and never studied. It just kind of comes out of him or her. It's this ecstatic language, this ecstatic experience that just begins to pour out of someone's mouth. And in my limited understanding of the thing, I see that the purpose of speaking in tongues is that it shows God's presence among his people. It shows that God is with us. And it shows that he is moving. And it shows that he is powerful. And that he has encouragement for us. And there's value there. Now, you can probably imagine what it must have been like to be in that Corinthian church on a Sunday morning. I mean, this is nice and everything. But wow, right? You're standing there in worship, you're in prayer, or you're singing, and suddenly uh, there's this cacophony of brothers and sisters in Christ who, who just unleash this spirit from their mouths, and it fills the room, and it fills your hearts, and you feel that tingle come up your spine, and you think, God is here, and God is present, and isn't this wonderful? It would be a very powerful experience. So it's easy to see how speaking in tongues, that the, the speaking in tongues that happened in Corinth was something of a sensation, that it became something that these people were very proud of, and it created a great deal of pride among them and a great deal of pride for the community. It became something that they identified themselves with. It truly set them apart. It truly made them remarkable, and it truly was wonderful. But Paul's warning to them was... This very humbling, even slightly insulting warning to them was, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant when it comes to the spiritual gifts. So where was the ignorance slipping in? What were they getting wrong? Two things. First, very quickly, speaking in tongues is a very flashy gift. Very flashy. It's very sensational. And because it's flashy and because it's sensational, it runs the risk of people thinking that it's more important than it actually is. This is the case with everything that's flashy and sensational. If it's flashy and it's sensational, it gets a lot of attention. And just because it gets a lot of attention doesn't mean that it's the most important thing in the world. Okay? That's one. But then secondly, and I think this is much more important, much more applicable to us today, there was some ignorance slipping in in the Corinthian church because the Corinthians were doing what all people do, and it is this. They were centering themselves. They were centering their own experiences. They were centering their own gifts. They were centering their own values. They looked at the thing that they had to contribute. They looked at the thing that they were good at, and they thought, I think that's probably the most important thing in the world. Isn't that really human? We center our, ourselves. We center our experiences. We most appreciate the things that we do best. We value the things that we are best at. We most appreciate the things that we excel in. Excuse me for painting with very broad brushes for a moment, but here we go, okay? If you ask people who are really sporty, they will give you the sense that sports are just the most important thing in the world. If you ask people who are bookish, 
They will give you the sense that books are the most important thing in the world. If you ask people who are artists, they will give you the sense that the arts are the most important thing in the world. This is also true on a cultural level. If you find a culture that values self-expression, they will tell you that self-expression is the most important thing in the world. If you find a culture that values law and order, they will tell you that law and order are the most important things in the world. And if you find a church, especially a very homogenous church, especially a very homogenous church that largely comes from the same ethnic heritage and largely comes with the same set of gifts and largely comes with the same values and a certain expectation for what's right and what's wrong, they will center their own experience and they will value their own values and they will prioritize their own spiritual gifts And Paul says, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant about the spiritual gifts. It takes some real maturity and it takes some real humility to be able to stand back from your own situation and figure out the ways in which you're centering yourself. In what ways am I centering myself? In what ways am I centering my own experience, my own gifts? What are the values that I value and why do I value those values? Who taught me to value those values? Where did I learn those values? How am I glorifying my own experience? How am I glorifying my own expertise? What are the things that I think even before I think things? You know what I mean? What are the things that I think even before I think things? And Paul says, church, church, when it comes to these things, I do not want you to be ignorant about such things. We center ourselves. So going back to the central idea of this text, to the epiphany word in this text, to verse 7, Paul says, to each one, to each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The common good. Here's what Paul is saying. Everybody has the gifts of the Spirit. Everybody. Everybody. And there are some of us this morning who really need to hear that. Everybody has the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is pulsing through those who are in Christ. The Holy Spirit is pulsing through us. Don't miss that. But the gifts that we have from the Spirit are not primarily for ourselves. They are for the common good. What a waste it would be if you and I spent our own lives valuing our own gifts above all of the other gifts, valuing our own contributions, valuing our own experience above the common good. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about such things. Jesus is Lord of all of the gifts. Jesus is Lord of every cultural expression of the gospel. Jesus is Lord of every square inch of all of creation. 
Don't get lost in your silo. So as a community and as individuals, where are we looking for wisdom? Maybe that's a good personal question for each of us. When, when you've got a problem, when you've got an issue, when you've got something, huh, I'd really like to figure that out. I'd really like to dig into this. I would really like to study that. Where do we turn for our wisdom? Do we look to ourselves? Do we look to people who are quite a bit like ourselves? Are we looking to those who we know will only affirm the values that we already hold? Or are we looking to the common good? Are we believing in a Lord Jesus who's Lord of more than our square inch? Are we looking to other expressions of the gospel of Jesus which have so much to contribute to our expression of the gospel of Jesus? Are we looking to those who represent so well the beautiful diversity of the lordship of Jesus in the kingdom of God? I mentioned earlier Henry Ford and Aretha Franklin and Steven Spielberg. Admittedly, I, I, I chose those people uh, kind of at random, but as I thought about them more and more, uh, I think that it may be true that in part, their success was that none of those three people was a one-trick pony. You know what I mean? Like, they were all geniuses in, in a few different expressions. And the one thing that all three of them had in common was that they understood humanity. They understood people. They understood struggle. They understood life. And I think there's a lesson for us in there. It seems to me that there can be a self-centered approach to the gifts of the Spirit, which says, what are my spiritual gifts? And I think if I were to go back and look at all of the sermons that I've preached on spiritual gifts in my 14 years of ministry, that was probably the question I presented to you. <laughs> what are your spiritual gifts? It's a fine question. I'm fine with that question. But I think Paul's question in this text is, what are the gifts that are not your gifts? <laughs> what are the values that are not your values? What is the wisdom that is not your, your wisdom? What are the things that are beyond your normal scope? What are someone else's spiritual gifts? What are other gifts, like your gifts, that are gifts for the common good? Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about the spiritual gifts. And if we're only recognizing our own gifts, then we are. To each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, our prayer today 
is that you would give us a greater sense, not just of who we are and what makes us who we are and the gifts that you've given us, but the gifts that you have yet to give us, the gifts that you've given to other brothers and sisters in other places, in other manifestations of your kingdom, in other outposts of your gospel. Give us the wisdom and the humility, Spirit, to inquire with other gifts, with new, strange fire, so that your spirit would become even more alive here with us. We thank you that your gifts burn brightly in this congregation, and we pray that we would find even more so our place in the lordship of Jesus and his kingdom which is coming. In his name we pray, amen.